Welcome to the Recovery Hour Podcast. Podcast! Where we choose to recover out loud by sharing our personal stories of inspiration. I had a girls weekend. I got a little shit face. I tried to get through the door. It didn't happen. I busted a boob. I want you to just like unbust it. Hope. I hope I get to have like a good chicken sandwich for dinner. And triumph. That was my last treatment. I never really had cancer again after that. Together, we can end the stigma and shame typically tied to mental illness and the disease of addiction. What are you looking We are proof that recovery does happen. Yeah, you just got to shove it down. Shove it down. Don't shove it down. We're not (laughs) shoving it down, Jen. Shove it away. Joy and laughter may be involved. (laughs) This is the Recovery Hour with Lori Winfeld. Hello, hello. I just wanted to check in. And before we get started with today's interview is to let you know... We are trauma-informed here at the Recovery Hour, and there were some really detailed and graphic discussions about cancer and suicide and self-harm, and I just want to make sure that you guys are aware of that and to please take care of yourself when listening and knowing that we do get into some graphic detail. Also, Jen is a very good friend of mine, so we did go a lot longer than normal You probably want to go to about 15 minutes in for some really serious breast cancer discussions. Otherwise, we're just telling some fun stories in the beginning. And then also, as usual, a reminder that we are not clinical healthcare any sorts. All the information discussed is based on our opinion, my opinion, and then the own opinion of the speaker, as well as lived knowledge. So please, 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 if you have any questions relative to your health, whether that be physical or mental, please make sure you check in with your professional medical providers. And with that, please enjoy the show. That never does that, ever, never, ever. That was weird. Do you want to hear a really weird story? Yes, but say it into the microphone. Okay, this is this has nothing to do with our day today. Okay, so I don't even know where to start, but this is really weird. So, uh, okay, so my nephew got married two weeks ago. Yes, and a few days before that, I was sitting on the couch with the cats, me and the cats, and <laughs> <laughs> everyone's in bed by Aiden because he's a late late night owl like his mom. And so I'm talking to my friend Tracy who lives in Oregon and I'm just, we're chatting and whatever because we talk all day, all day, every day. And I'm not even shitting you. My sliding glass door was like half open and it went. Uh-uh. Nope. And so I sat there and I was all. Because <gasps> I'm alone in the living room and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And so Olive is sitting above me on the couch and she's like this. The cat? Yeah. And I look at her and I look at the door and I'm all. Like, all of a sudden, I'm, like, frozen because I'm, like, what the fuck do I do? The door just fucking closed. And so I'm freaking out. And now the other cat, she doesn't care. She's 16. She's, like, whatever. She doesn't hear anything. So I'm, like, okay, okay. I didn't just see that. Did I just see that? Am I on crack? I'm not even drinking. Like, I'm nothing. It's, like, <laughs> it's like 11 o'clock at night, right? So I'm, like, oh, my God. I'm freaking out. So then I was, okay, so then I, I text Aiden. I'm, all, dude, come out here. I'm freaking out. And he comes out and he's like, what's going on? I go, the fucking door just closed halfway. And he's like, uh, and all of us still like looking. So we chat about it. And I'm like, that's really weird. Like I'm freaking out. He's like, well, now I'm freaking out. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to freak out by myself. So I go close the door because 
you know, where I, I'm thinking in my, you know, there must be a cat or something. I don't know, closing the door. Well, how the fuck is that going to happen? Because it's on the inside, right? So there's nothing closing the door. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. So I go to bed and I'm kind of freaked out. Whatever. Then I talked to Melissa, the photographer. And I'm like, you know, um, we were, we were telling like ghost stories and weird stuff. And I'm like, so this is weird. My door closes and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what? And I go, oh my God, my door totally closes. So she calls me. It's 11 o'clock at night. She go, we're talking. She goes, I got to hear this out of your own mouth. I go, okay. So I tell her the story and she goes, um, I think it's your brother. And so I go, okay, well, that's pretty rude. He should stop fucking with me at 11 o'clock at night because that's pretty rude because now I'm freaking the hell out because it happened again. Um, I go, you know, my nephew's getting married, blah, blah, blah. I tell her about the time my brother got married and my whole living room smelled like his stupid gross socks and everybody in the house smelled him. So I think that it was my brother, but it did it again. So a couple nights later, no, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm like, whatever. No, no, I wasn't on the couch. I was at my kitchen table. So it's like really close to me, like me, like right here. And it closes and I'm all, shut your fucking mouth. So I'm like, Aiden, can you come out here? Same time, texting the same friend, same everything. I'm like, Aiden, the door just closed. And so I get up. I'm like, okay, fucker, if you're doing this to me, like 11 o'clock at night is not funny to me. So I open the door back up and it freaking closed as I was Stop opening it. it. I'm not even, I'm not, I texted Heather and I was like, girl, you want to hear something weird? Cause we were talking. Melissa goes, I think it's your brother. And I thought about it. And so my brother died a couple of months before my nephew was born. Okay. How long ago was that? Uh, 28 years. Okay. And so I think he was there because it was a few days before the wedding. My nephew's middle name is my brother's name. I think he was just there to be like, Hey, you know, I'm here with you guys for the wedding or whatever. Because he was like that with my my brother when he got married. And so when we were at the uh, wedding, we're standing there and Alyssa like hits me in the arm. And we look down and there was a penny right at my feet. <gasps> so I'm pretty sure it was my brother. Now he's fucking with the microwave. Now the microwave is like. <laughs> <laughs> what is your brother's name? John. <laughs> John. Stop it. You're- oh, my that brother, Jake. His name's Jake. Oh. <laughs> I have three. <laughs> Jake. Whichever the one's dead and fucking with Jake, you, yeah. Jake, stop so, it. So also, I have this life coach, spiritual healer I've been seeing, and she- You have? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I love that. Tell me about yeah, it. So she's amazing. Okay. And so I was asking her, like, can you like read the energy of people who have passed? And she goes, yeah. So I don't tell her who anybody is. I just give a name and like the age they were when they passed. And so she told me about my brother- and that he likes to play pranks on me. And he thinks it's funny because I can't do anything back. So I was all, listen here, fucker. Stop messing with my door and my microwave. It's not cool at 11 o'clock at night. So I don't know what's happening here. Jake's annoying. <laughs> He's totally doing that on purpose. Oh, my gosh. So that's that happened in the last couple of weeks. Wow. Mm. And also, when I saw her, her name's Billy, when I saw Billy, um, I was asking her about my grandma, but she didn't know it was my grandma. Mm. And so she was telling me how she sees uh, her like throwing pennies in the air, which my grandma is, it's every time I see a penny, usually it's my grandma. And I just was like blown away by it. So that's my story. That's your story that we mm-hmm. got into simply because we. <laughs> have spent an hour and a half trying to figure out <laughs> how to get this podcast to go yeah. because 
equipment sucks, our office sucks, and... Mine's apparently haunted. (laughs) (laughs) So we we moved into Jen's office, and uh, as soon as we sat down, a few boxes fell over. Yeah. And neither one of us were near the situation. It just happened randomly. So we think Jake's back to fuck with us. He is, yeah. He's like, ha ha, bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least it's not the microwave. Okay, so um, we just got right into it. This is my friend, Jen Pekorski. Hello. Hmm, hi. Hello. She's really nervous and hates this microphone situation. (laughs) It's like an eyeball staring at me. (laughs) (laughs) I asked Jen to be on the Recovery Hour podcast with Lori Winfeld. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like so fun? I like it. Yeah. It is October, Mm -hmm. which means it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. Pink Ribbon Month. I want to get into that, too, because she just rolled her eyes as we said Pink Ribbon Month. Pinktober. Pinktober. A couple gals I know that actually have breast cancer have had survived warriors, however you want to call it, recovering from. Yeah. Don't like the pink. A lot of us don't like the pink. And you're going to tell me why in a minute. I love that. Okay. Jen is not only a good friend of mine past coworker. <laughs> Why is that funny? I got distracted. <laughs> Squirrel. I'm looking out the window. What's happening? Should I close it? The thing? <laughs> it's not Jake. <laughs> now I'm all freaked Fuck. out. Now he's sending like random fuckers now over I'm here. I'm freaked out. I'm like, no, it's just the guy that works next door. Well, what are you looking at? What are you looking at, Lori? Now I'm getting hot. <laughs> Uh, Jen and I have an office. Each of us have offices in the same office building. So uh, we're in Jen's office today recording the podcast. It just I can't even get into it. So here we are. (laughs) I asked Jen to be on the podcast because not only is she my friend, she's also oh my god, how long has it been since you were first diagnosed with breast cancer? Uh, 2012. Okay, so 2012. This young thing <laughs> was diagnosed with breast cancer. And since this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, how many more times can I say breast cancer? I feel like I just said it like 17 times. I'm sure it'll be another 20 times at least. If I was a drinker, I would make a drinking game out of this. But considering <laughs> this is a recovery show, we're not going to do that. We'll have to come up with a new game. I'm going to have a shot of this cleansing Your juice. juice. <laughs> beet juice? I'm drinking beet juice for lunch and spilled it all over my ass as usual. Damn beets. Okay, so let's just jump in. Let's dive into the story. So this is my introduction to Jen Pekorski. Is that how you say your name? Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Say it out loud. Jen Pekorski. <laughs> Jen Pekorski. Jen Pekorski. I just never know if I ever say things right. So. <laughs> yeah, it's right. I'm so distracted in I here. Know, I'm like, what are all these things? You're like, it's all shiny and new in here. <laughs> What's funny is this was my old office a long time ago. <laughs> Only I used to sit where you're sitting. It's so weird. We've swapped seats. We have swapped seats. I like it on this side better. I don't like that side. No, it's not <laughs> good. You're like, who's at the door? Who's by the window? I can't do it. It's too weird. It is. But you can't, you have your back towards the window, so you have no idea if there's anyone behind you at the That's window. That's why I keep it closed. Yeah. Mm. I like this one, though. But now I'm like... <laughs> There was just a guy getting into his car. Okay, so 2012, Jen was diagnosed with breast cancer. Correct. Correct. And we're now in 2020 and still working on tests and scans. 
and shit, right? Like, yeah. I, I always love to talk about this podcast and my thought process about starting it. I think it's important for people to understand that not everyone in recovery or that is recovering from something means that they are sober or it means that they were addicted to drugs or it means that they're alcoholic, but actually recovering from life events, actually recovering from illnesses other than the disease of addiction. And that's why we're here today on the Recovery Hour. And Jen is going to tell us her story about her recovery journey through breast cancer. I know I got it. I'm just like, okay, Jen's gonna tell she's laughing at me because I'm like, I can't even I can't concentrate in here. Jen is gonna tell us her story about her journey. Do you want me to turn the lights off? (laughs) Oh, Lori, Lori, Lori. (laughs) You're gonna have to cut a lot out. You can't put us in a room together ever. It's always like this. <laughs> okay, come on. We got to get serious. Okay. <laughs> we do not have a cough button here. Good thing we're not live. Okay, get the phlegm out. <clears throat> okay. <sighs> where do I start? Here, this is where we're going to start. We're going to start with Jen's story. Okay. Jen's journey through recovery from breast cancer and all the things that come along with it. And you know what? We're going to talk about Pinktober, too, because Mm -hmm. that is something that we can educate others. I will tell you, as a woman that has not suffered with the illness of any sort of cancer, but breast cancer with my BFF, Heather, that has, and Jen as well, and learning so much about not being in that world and what that means. And it's so easy for us to jump into October and say, we want to participate and we're going to wear pink tutus and, you know, get your tatas checked and and make really kitschy sort of like fun things about something that is so devastating to so many. So at the same time, if any of you are those pink people, (laughs) and I am one of them, by the way, you know, celebrate. Yes, do what makes you happy and how you can provide service and help others um, and support. So for sure. But there are there are reasons that women that have at least the woman that I'm talking to today, there is a reason why Pinktober is a delicate subject. So we'll get into that as well. So welcome, Jen, everyone. And uh, we're going to get started. 2012. Tell us about it. 2012, I turned 40 and I was celebrating my 40th birthday with a friend of mine. I had had another friend who who had a different type of breast tissue disease. It wasn't cancer, but she just had tumors all the time and in dense breasts and all of that. And so her doctor finally, after several years, had gotten to where she can have a mastectomy and have them removed, you know, prophylactically or whatever that word is. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> right. What, is that right? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, know, but it sounded good to me. Okay. We'll go with it. <laughs> and take a deep <laughs> breath, girl. <laughs> I'm like, what's that? Where'd that word come from? <laughs> so anyway, Um, So I was really into celebrating the pink for her because I didn't really I didn't really know anybody that had breast cancer. I knew one person she had passed away, but I hadn't really experienced it. So I was like everyone else. Let's get some shoes that had pink ribbon on it or let's, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I wear pink for my friend who didn't really have cancer, but I mean, I didn't know. So we had a pink party for her and because she was losing her breasts and 
you know, at the same time had had them removed. But then when she came out, she had had them reconstructed. So it wasn't like she didn't have any treatments. She just had to do that. And, and, and it was, you know, devastating because as a woman, you don't want to lose your breasts. No, but literally cutting off. Yeah, you're yeah. cutting off a body part. So I was like, okay, I'm all supporting that. And then uh, about a month later, I was with my friend and we met in Reading and had a girls weekend and um, caused a little trauma to my left breast. And <laughs> it's a long story. Oh my that God. I, well, was we have... just, I was just wondering, should I even go into that story? I think you should because I've listened. This podcast talks a lot about trauma and this is the first I've heard about a breast jewel trauma. <laughs> Girl. Okay, what did you do to your boob? Okay, so my friend and I, we have this girls weekend and we're in this... <laughs> hotel spa and we're we're you know it's I literally was turning 40 that weekend so we're drinking a little too much wine my friend has really really gigantic boobs I had pretty big boobs but but not as big as hers and so we locked ourselves out of our room so we have like the little arm bar that comes down to lock your door you know like the sliding glass door kind and we're like shit we locked the keys in the in the the office is way far away from where we were staying in our room so she's like i can get in there she's super skinny i'm like girl you're going to pop your boob you can't go in there <laughs> i can go in there <laughs> at the time i was pretty skinny too but i'm like i can make it through there i can do it so i'm going in there like squeezing through the door and I like start panicking because I'm a 40 year old woman trying to break back into my hotel room when I could have just went and got the stupid key. So instead of taking a deep breath and like shoving myself through the door, because I mean, like I was already there, my belt got stuck and I panicked because I'm like, great, now the fire department's gonna come. I'm a little bit shit faced because I had too much wine and I'm stuck in the door. So <laughs> I shove myself back out. <laughs> And I feel like I tore my boob off. And I was all, oh, son of a bitch, I tore my boob off. Okay, you know, it was funny because it was really funny, actually. But it hurt so bad. And I was like, oh, my God, it hurt so bad. So the next day, I seriously think I tore my boob off last night. And so I had a little bit of a bruise. I do have a blood disorder. So I was thinking, it's a bruise. You're like, whatever. But when I came home, I told my husband, I'm like, oh, my God, I totally tore my boob off. You know, I go through the whole story. And I had like this reddish kind of bruise on my back and my left breast. Mm -hmm. So it didn't get any better. I had a little bit of a lump there, which is typical when I get a bruise because I get little hematomas from my blood disorder. Yeah. I say to my friend who had just had her pink party, what do you think about this lump? Like, I'm kind of freaking out. What is this lump, you know? And I had just gotten breast exam and everything done like a month before that. So she said it was about the size of a peanut. She goes... I would keep an eye on it. And if it's still like that in a week, you should probably have it checked out. I go, mm -hmm. okay. So a week goes by and it hurts so bad. It was like hurting so bad. So uh, my brother gets married. Not not the one we were just talking about that died. The other one. Not Jake. No, John. <laughs> and so. Um, oh my gosh. Was your mom the one? Did she do Jake, John, Jen, and Sean? Sean. Oh, poor Sean. Yeah, he's fine. He's literally like, he's so damaged. <laughs> he's not fine. He's not fine. <laughs> he's Is not he the only normal one? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, I'm the only normal one. <laughs> oh, shit. They call you the normal one? Okay. All right. I'm the normal one. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyway, I'm at his wedding, and my left breast hurts so bad that my, my brother gives me a hug, and I, like, scream because it hurts so bad. 
I don't know what's going on. They think I have a hematoma in there because I have the blood disorder. And my left breast just started swelling like crazy. And I mean, it was gigantic. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, just get in there and drain it. Like, it hurts so bad. I come home. My gynecologist, I, I go to him and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Can they just drain this thing? Because it hurts so bad. It was like twice the size of my other side. And he's all, we're going to send you in to get an ultrasound. So just if, in case we have any men listening, and maybe just to educate some women as well, because we have some youngsters that listen to the show, it is typical that there's this guideline that once you turn 40, mm-hmm. that that's when you should start beginning to get your breast. No, mm-hmm. or is it 50? Yeah. Uh, I th- uh, See, we don't I even know. 40. Actually, I don't know. Now that I'm old, I don't know, because also because all you I think it's 40. breast cancer friends of my life... You have a high risk. Friend I have group. high risk friend group. Yeah. Obviously, I haven't had to ask anybody other than my friends to come on the show, and we've had <laughs> smashing success yeah. because you're also we're all up. but we're all a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> so I think forty was the magical number where it suggested that women start looking into their breast health and getting tested, yeah. which is the old school method is getting a mammogram because of. My BFF, Heather, whom I've talked about before, and Jen, who also works for this organization, Each One Tell One, a grassroots nonprofit organization that educates women about dense breast tissue. And essentially, if you have dense breast tissue, mammography is not always going to pick up something that looks like a tumor or a piece of cancer because your breasts are so dense it can't see through that. So there are other optional tests to take. And it sounds like that's what you've decided to do at this point in your life. Yeah. So they tell me to just go get a mammogram. They want to check it out to make sure that it's, you know, just just a hematoma. And I'm like, okay, like whatever. You know, I go in there with the thought process of why am I doing this and why can't they just drain it? Because it hurts so bad. I just want it to be drained. So in your mind, you're going into this situation, essentially, like I had a girl's weekend, I got a little shit face, I tried to get through the door, it didn't happen. I busted a boob, I want you to just like, unbust it. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it's big by this point. <laughs> like, it's totally noticeable. It, and as in your boob? Yeah, yeah. It's so you're gigantic. just completely lopsided. Totally. And like painful. So I go in, they start squeezing it and doing their thing they do and I'm like oh my god I'm dying because it hurts so bad like I'm literally like I can't make it through this this is hurting I go they put me in another room and they're like hey the guy wants the whatever the guy's he we gotta get the doctor to come in here he wants us to do an ultrasound and I'm like okay I have like a little eight-year-old at home I need to go home like what's happening like I can't leave my kids at home very long you know I just I don't have time for this like can we just hurry up here and drain my boob (laughs) They do an ultrasound and she's like, hold on, I'm going to go get the main doctor. And I go, okay. So she goes and gets the main doctor. He comes in and he's all, "Um, if I didn't know any better, you have breast cancer. (gasps) And I go, no, I have a hematoma because that's what I was told. And he's like, well, okay. But to me, it looks like you have breast cancer. So that's how I was told I had breast cancer. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, by myself, I don't even expect for words like that to even enter into my world much you know nobody has it in my life at all like no in my family my friend like nothing I just kind of sat there and I was like oh my god you know what are you saying you're wrong like you don't even know what you're talking about and he goes okay well you can think you have a hematoma but I'm telling you I think you have breast cancer and so I left there 
and just sat in my car like, okay, well, what do I do from here? And when are they going to drain my boob? (laughs) Because I just couldn't, I couldn't get a grip on it. Hey, by the way, thanks for the diagnosis, but I would still like you to drain my boob. Yeah. So I call my gynecologist and I'm like, okay, well, this is what they said, but he had already known that because they had gotten a hold of him before I had gotten a hold of him. Go in, he checks it and he's like, okay, uh, let's see how this is, you know, let's keep an eye on this to make sure I go, okay. I think it was like a week later, I go, this is not working for me. This is painful. I don't know what's happening. I feel like it's getting bigger. I don't know what's going on. I was supposed to wait and have a follow-up ultrasound for like four weeks after that. This was one week after that. I go, I can't, I can't, I'm, I can't live like this. Like, this is terrible. And I have young kids. Like, it's they're like hugging me and it just hurts. So I went back in and my little tiny peanut-sized tumor had in a four-week, this was like four weeks at this time, a four-week span had gone to 10 centimeters. What is 10, what can we use as a, a 10 centimeters? Like a golf ball? Almost a softball. Almost a softball. Uh, baseball, like a baseball size. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It was gigantic. And so then um, it was kind of a blur after that. Like, just like the next thing I know, you know, it's my son's birthday. And I'm like, no, I don't have time for this. Like, you know, I did have a hematoma originally, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think what happened was having the blood disorder, and then I did cause the trauma there that it didn't heal properly. My doctors, some of them agree with me and some of them don't, but I'm telling you, I think that's what happened. So you think, wait a minute. You think what happened was trauma to the boob Mm -hmm. and that hematoma created your cancer? I think that we all have like cancer cells, they say in there. But I think what happened is that it didn't it wasn't healing properly. And so, you know, I have a lot of like food allergies and a lot of like stress and things like that. So I think that it just didn't help for it to heal properly. And I think that things just went haywire in there. Mm. And caused it interesting to come on. So do you think if you wouldn't have tried to slip through that door and got in knocked in your boob, you fully believe that you would not have had cancer? I do believe that. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I do. All right. That's, That's a totally weird situation. But well, it's everyone's own story, right? Mm-hmm. That's it's your journey. And mm-hmm. I mean, I had just had it checked out. Like everything was fine. There was no lumps. There was no nothing, nothing going on in there. Like I was perfectly fine before that so yeah i do i do feel like that wow Mm -hmm. and so then some of your doctors are like you're crazy there's zero chance that's the case and then others are like do you think they really believe you or do you think that they're appeasing you uh no i i think my doctors up here don't believe me but i go to stanford and that doctor down there says yeah everything is possible okay so you have so you have your own doctors in the town that you live, and then you yeah. also go for uh, specialized care in California Yeah, at Stanford. Yeah. And they seem to be a little more open-minded about... A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now you're just like, holy shit, I have this baseball size tumor in my boob. Mm-hmm. I have two young children. Mm-hmm. I'm 40. Mm-hmm. And now I have cancer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of cancer. I don't know what state. Like, I don't know anything. I'm just like, what's happening right now? And what do I do? And what do you mean? I can't have my son's birthday party in like three days because they didn't. They wanted me to go in and get a port and do all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Like, what is all this stuff? You know, and and, and am I going to lose my hair? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, yeah, I'm just living my life. And then this just like hits you right in the face. So they wanted me to get a port in like the next day. And I'm like, okay, but. 
I have like this huge birthday party for my son at the water park and I have a cabana and I have all these people and like, what am I going to do? So they said, we'll put the port in. You have your birthday party for your eight-year-old. And then the next day you're going to, we're going to admit you to the hospital and we're going to start giving you chemo right away. Oh my gosh. And I was all, okay, but that's only in like five days. I don't have time. Like I have it, you know, I don't, I don't have time for this. And they're like, well, you're going to have to make time. So I had to make time. And and uh, then I found out that I was triple negative and stage three. And I was sitting in the hospital not knowing what was going on for a week, just sitting there. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't imagine even just hearing the words breast cancer, let alone several terms you just used that probably so many are unfamiliar with. A port, triple mm-hmm. negative, third stage. What does all that mean? Poor is where um, most women get, I think a lot of probably a lot of cancer patients, not just breast cancer, get those because they're giving you your weekly or whenever you're getting your chemo so it doesn't blow your veins out. They have like a port they put directly in. They can administer the chemo and Mm. your treatments through that so it's not blowing out your veins and you know, so it's, it's, it's just easier. always there. Mm-hmm. It's always there. And then uh, when you hear third stage triple negative, is that what you told me? Mm-hmm. Yes. What is all that business? Triple negative is not hormone based. So it's not like the other breast cancers where you can get things like tamoxifen or whatever. I'm not really too sure because I try not to read up too much. On yeah. It. But um, I can't. No, it's very clear that you would probably just rather pretend like it didn't happen mm-hmm. and not know. I make other people read about it. And, yes. And then tell me what I need to know, because otherwise I panic and I try not to panic over that. So um, triple negative is not hormone based. It doesn't really respond like other cancers and and it's really aggressive. So it's almost like if you did like a scale from one to 10, 10 being very extreme when you have cancer, it's on the very extreme end. Yeah. So it's a severe, mm-hmm. as if cancer is not severe enough of an issue. It is now even yeah. additional. Yeah. Additional. Sub- I, I'm so <laughs> distracted. I can't. I can't with this. There's literally, we go, we have an office building that like zero people ever come into, first of all, because COVID. Secondly, yeah. because there's like five offices out of 20 that are actually occupied. Yeah. They're all here today. Yeah, Their phones are ringing. They're fucking yelling. Cars are going. People are. I can't. And Jake's trying to come over here and fuck with us. (laughs) Damn it. We got ghosts even showing up today. God. Okay. Sorry for the distraction. I couldn't help it. There was a phone ringing outside that like phones just shouldn't even be allowed to ring that loud. What the fuck? I've never even heard a phone ring in here before. What's happening? (laughs) Usually people just have their phone on like vibrate. (laughs) It's like a normal phone. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. But um Hopefully, hopefully our listeners don't hear all that. And if you do, just realize this is our life. This is what (laughs) happens. We've tried um, every situation we could today, an hour and a half, actually, before we actually found this spot to sit down and record. So bear with. And it's like this when we are just hanging out. That's our fucking life. This is normal shit. It's normal. Okay. So um, triple negative. Let's get back to that. Okay. Okay. So triple negative is on the high end extreme of you know, like I already have this disease and now it's the worst kind you can have. And then yeah. what was the other thing that you said? Triple negative. Uh, third stage. Stage three. Stage three. Mm-hmm. There's only stage four stages. So I was like, what does that mean? Stage three, I'm going to die. Literally, I, I'm, I'm going to die. Oh my God, I have these kids. I'm only 40. Now I'm going to be one of those statistics and I'm sitting in a hospital room by myself. I don't know of anyone else that has had to sit in a hospital and do their first chemo, but I guess whatever kind I had was like they wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to have some sort of weird 
side effect from it. So my kids could come and my husband could come and visit me. And I could have friends come visit me, but like I could not go home. So, you know, I had to have people come bring me clothes and like I wanted to take a shower. I didn't have like nothing. Like they just literally are like, you're going into the hospital. Wow. So I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is, this is sucking. I don't <laughs> even know what to do. <laughs> this sucks. So, um, I was like, just take them off. Like, what's the problem? You know, because I don't, I don't understand anything at this point. So uh, my tumor was so big that they can't just take it off. I had to have chemo first before I could even think about having a mastectomy. Yeah. So when you're saying just take it off, you're fully meaning your breasts. You're yeah. like, just take, just lob off those boobies. Just take and- them off. I don't even care because I don't like them anyway and they're too big. Okay. Yeah. That was just the easy solution in your, in your brain. In my like- head. Yeah. We'll just take it out. Like, why can't you just take them off? But instead, you're having this poisonous, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think that we really put thought into exactly what chemotherapy means and what that yeah. actually does to someone's body. Yeah, it's hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hardcore. And I didn't really know at the time either. I'm like, at the time, I was really pretty thin. Like, I've always been pretty thin my whole life. And a friend of mine said to me, well, great, you're just going to wave away now. And um, it actually did the opposite. I totally gained 80 pounds from, from my treatments. Oh, wow. So I did not wither away like most people think. I did not barf my guts out. Uh, I have some friends that did, but I wasn't one of them. And um, they gave me a lot of steroids. And I just, you know, it was it was it was rough. What happens next? So I get out of the hospital and they told me that I would start losing my hair within like 14 days. It's usually 14 days exactly. And I'm like, okay, because, you know, I have pretty long hair. Oh, here we go. Like, that's devastating. My little niece was born at the same time. So I decided to go visit my my little baby niece. And um, Alyssa and my best friend and I were driving down. Alyssa's your daughter? Yes. And I have the window rolled down and my hair literally started blowing out of the window. Stop it. And I was like driving and I look over and I look at my best friend and and I kind of started cracking up because it was kind of funny. Like it was like blowing out the door. Like there goes my hair. But then it was like... Oh my God, there goes my hair. Like it was, it was a whole weird thing to to just witness. So um, we actually kind of crack up about that now because (laughs) big chunks were flying out the window and we're like, what's happening? There goes your hair. So, um, so yeah. And then when I came back, then I had to do 16 rounds of chemo before I could even have surgery to have my breast removed. I have zero idea what that means, but it's overwhelming me just to hear the number 16. So what is that? So now you have this port. I have the port. And then 16 different times you have to go in and then they're going to put some kind of ridiculous medicine. Yeah. Treatment. So I have to go into an infusion room, which back in the day was a room where you sat in a circle with other people getting theirs. (laughs) Seriously? Yeah. And there's no curtains. You're sitting in a recliner and everybody's staring at everybody else, old people, young people. And I like walk in there. You know, I'm like the new one. I still at this point on my second one, I still had some of my hair. So I felt bad because I was like, oh, my God, I'm the only one with hair. Like I felt I felt a little guilty, you know. Yeah. And so I just sit down and I text my husband like, I think I'm the youngest one in here. I wasn't. That's how I met my friend Jamie. And she was smiling at me like, you know, this stupid smile. If you know her, you would know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) So um, anyway, so I had to go sit there in front of everybody else and you just had to sit there like it was like a big circle where everyone was getting their treatment done and I had to do that every other week for 16 weeks wow and then I had to have radiation after that well no so I had treatment and then I had 
the mastectomy and then I had to do um, radiation. And that was like every day for 30 days, I oh think it was. So after the chemotherapy treatments, mm-hmm. and then you said every other week. So is that really 32 weeks? Mm-hmm. Okay, so 16 chemo treatments spanning over 32 weeks. Mm-hmm. And literally just like, hey, by the way, you have cancer. And now you're just jumping into this. Mm-hmm. Then we're talking mastectomy. Mm-hmm. So your left breast has a tumor in it the mm-hmm. size of a baseball. Oh, yeah. Uh, originally it was that big, but the, the chemo shrank it the down to nothing. chemo shrank it. Mm-hmm. So now do you get both breasts? When you say mastectomy, is that one or is that two? Do you make that decision yourself? What is yeah. that process? So at the time, I was like... You know, I don't know what to do because I've never been in this situation. I don't know anybody. Yeah. So I'm like, what do you do? And so I asked the surgeon, what would you do mm-hmm. if it was your daughter? And he said, if it was my daughter or my wife or my niece or whoever, I would have them both taken because you have a high risk of it coming back in five years and the other one. So I said, just take them both. You know, I wanted some symmetry too. Like you don't want to just, I didn't want to deal with one side not being there and the other side being there. Like I just was like, take them both. I don't want it to come back. Yeah. I'm good. Yep. It doesn't matter. I don't care about my boobs anyway. Just I already have kids. I'm not having any more. I already breastfed my babies. Like just take the boobs. So they did. They didn't really take as much tissue out as I thought that they would. After kind of looking at like people who had, you know, had full mastectomies, I was like, oh, I have a little bit of tissue there when I finally did the unveiling of the boobs. (laughs) Then I went into radiation and I had to do that every single day. And that was horrible. That was way worse than my chemo because it just burnt the crap out of my skin. Ooh, what is it? So what what is the process there? What happens there? So you go every day. They kind of set you up on this table and it's like a whole thing. And you you can't move. You know, they have to like do this headrest specifically for your head to sit in there so you cannot move the doctor I was going to at the time did little stickers so that they knew where to pinpoint the radiation and the stickers just stayed on and if they started coming off they would replace them you know so they knew where to put the radiation uh it's very uh, it's a very slow progression with the burning it starts from the inside out and your skin my skin at that time looked like a piece of charred burnt I don't know what it was just it started off with little black polka dotty looking things, and then my skin just started coming off, and it was horrible, horrible. It sounds like it. It was horrible. What is what's burning your skin? Like, is it a laser? Yeah, it's like a laser. Uh, you don't really see the laser, but they put you in this room. Mm-hmm. The radiation doctors and the nurses they get you all set up, and then they go out of the room and they shut this huge door because it's radioactive, and you you sit there for about. It, I mean, the whole process is like maybe twenty minutes. Wow. After getting set up, you burn, you go, you come every day at the same time and you, and you, and, and you just do that. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, it was actually the worst thing I've, the worst thing ever was that. And this is now happening after you've had both breasts removed. Mm-hmm. So chemo, mm-hmm. double mastectomy, mm-hmm. radiation. Yeah. And then during my radiation, I start feeling this lump where my mastectomy scars at. And so I'm like, I have this lump here. My radiation doctor at the time, he was not very good and was not my radiation doctor in the future. But he's like, oh, no, (laughs) no, that's scar tissue. And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. Like, what do I know? I don't know. And so it was about the size of a marble. And it just was there the whole time I had my radiation going. So I finished my radiation. It's horrifying. I still have this lumpy marble thing going on at my scar line. And 
my gynecologist, who has been my savior through my whole life, was like, this is not normal and this is not scar tissue. I want a biopsy. So I was like, what do you mean you want a biopsy? I've already had a biopsy. I don't want to have another biopsy. Like I'm freaking out. You know, I'm in the middle of radiation. How could anything be be growing in there? So I have I have a biopsy and it comes back triple negative. And I'm like, holy shit, I have cancer again. So I'm like, uh, I don't understand how it's growing. I'm, I'm, I'm in treatment, like I'm in active treatment still. And so I had to wait to get done completely with my radiation and heal and everything to have it removed. And so they do remove it. And that's when they found out it was triple negative. And um, it left me with a huge hole in my chest at that time because I'm trying to heal from my, my treatments. I end up having to pack this hole, you know, because I'm like, well... I should back up a little bit. So they take it out. They don't clear the margins or anything. So this is a brand new mm-hmm. spanking yeah. tumor mm-hmm. in the tissue. In the tissue. Because there's no breasts anymore. No. I mean, the surgeon had left a little bit of tissue behind. Mm-hmm. So there, he didn't clean it out good enough. So oh I'm like, holy shit, I have another tumor. And I'm going through treatment. Like, this doesn't seem possible. So they they do the biopsy and they say it's triple negative, but they didn't clean. When they did the biopsy, they just kind of plucked it out and they didn't clean the margin. So with my blood disorder, I'm sitting on the couch one night and I just start bleeding out. I'm like, holy shit, I'm bleeding out. Well, it turns out that the cancer was growing in there and they didn't get it all out. So it wasn't healing properly. So it was the the doctor explained it like it's like an oven. So it's kind of baking inside and the outside skin is healing, but the inside is still brewing. And it just bursted it open one night and I started bleeding out, basically. Oh, my gosh. So I go back to the ER. You know, I'm like, I'm bleeding out. I just had this. They have to give me special blood clotting medicine because that's what I get when I have surgery. doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening? And we're getting ready to go to Hawaii. And I'm like, I can't go to Hawaii like this. I have a huge hole in my chest. And so, (laughs) like, what's happening? And so I have to pack my chest every day with this like ridiculously long piece of like ribbon stuff soaked in saline to keep it clean and it ends up getting infected (gasps) and then it hurts so bad because it's infected and it's green and it's disgusting and I can see in there and so I'm like (gasps) why is this not healing up like I don't understand why this isn't healing up and so I get to go to Hawaii but I have to pack my stupid hole in my chest the whole time I can't go in the water um I have to wear like this plastic bandagey gauzy stuff to keep it closed up so I don't you know I can't get any kind of bacteria in there it actually gets infected twice while you're in Hawaii uh no it got infected one time when I came back from Hawaii okay. one time before yeah I was I was good for about a week like eight days oh my gosh they let me not you know they let me go and and at that point I had started chemo again because it was cancer in there so they started me on another round of chemo and so they were let they were gracious and let me not do chemo while I went to Hawaii and I was like, thanks, you know, I didn't want to feel bad while I was there. So when I came back, my doctor here was like, this is a complex case, and I'm going to refer you to Stanford. And I was like, uh, okay, that sounds good, <laughs> you know, yeah. because I'm already, I'm having a, a, a uh, what they call it is a um, local reoccurrence in that area, because it's the same area. So I go, um, they get it all set up. I go down to Stanford. And they're looking at my hole. I'm in the front of like 10 people for the tumor board. They have like this huge meeting. I'm just sitting there. I'm like 
scared because I don't know what's happening. And the room is small and they're just looking at me and they're taking notes and Stanford's a learning college, you know, university. So there's like fellows there trying to learn what's happening. And I'm just like, and you're sitting there literally with a hole in your chest, mm-hmm. sitting there with a hole in my chest that you can see inside of. Um, oh, so it was, it was not super big, but I mean, it was, you know, size of a quarter. So you could see in there and it was like gross looking because I had like something growing on the edge of it. So as they're sitting there looking at me, they're like making all their notes. They do another little biopsy and take some stuff and it comes back that it's still triple negative going on in there. And I'm like, okay, you know, what do we do? I don't even live here. That started a whole new thing. I had to go back down. I had to have a whole nother basically mastectomy. They took, they took everything down to the chest wall. And I found out that um, I had, it had metastasized to my skin and my chest wall at that time. So I had to go back on chemo. And I was like, Ugh. what does metastasize mean? So that means that it had attached itself to my skin, on my chest, and to my chest wall. So now your cancer has moved essentially mm-hmm. from your breast, mm-hmm. which, by the way, you've already removed, but somehow there's enough tissue that you can get another tumor. Yeah. And now it is spreading. Yeah. So the original marble one that I thought was growing through the radiation was, but I had two other tumors happening underneath there that they, they didn't even see. Oh, my gosh. So... I have to have another gigantic surgery. They end up taking my um, lap muscle. Mo- they, t- they took all of the skin off of my chest, took my lap muscle, moved it to my chest, had to reconstruct like everything because I had had all of these tumors and it just was horrible. And I was laid out for like two months from that surgery. And the, the um, tissue that they took out of there was just incredible. How much more tissue? They, like how much more can you possibly have there? Mm-hmm. So I started chemo again. And I thought, oh, my God, my hair just started growing back. Am I going to lose my hair again? That's all I could think of. Like, I don't want to do this anymore because it's, you know, it's hard to lose your hair. I'm already used to not having hair, but it's hard on my kids and my family to see me having to go through this, too. But my new doctor down there was amazing. And she's like, you don't have to lose your hair. And I was like, oh, thank God. So she put me on this certain chemo and and I had to do radiation again, too. So Mm. it enhanced the radiation. Oh, my gosh. And I also had to have intraoperative radiation, what? which which what? is totally crazy. So when they were what? doing their, I know. Uh, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. No, it's okay. We, we do that here. So I'm like, everything is just, it's just a long story. So when I, when, when they were moving my lap muscle and doing all of that, and it had metastasized to the other, my skin, my chest, they left me like pretty much filleted open. And did radiation while I was laying on the table, basically. Ugh. So it's called intraoperative <gasps> radiation. But they were like, we want to kill everything off. And I was like, do what you got to do. You know, I mean, like, what do you, I'm going to say no, you know, of course. How's you your body do. handling any of this? Yeah, that's because they fattened me up. <laughs> and they put me on steroids. So I don't know. Holy shit. So I recover, you know, very slowly from that. And then um, I'm doing, I'm doing my chemo and it's pretty harsh. And so... I get through all of that, and they're like, you're going to have to do another round of radiation. Normal people don't do more than one round of radiation. And I say this, like, normal people don't do that. What do you mean? <laughs> and they're like, well, you're not normal, and we're going to put you on radiation again. And I was like, Ugh. so I've already, I've already had chemo, and um, I've already had radiation, and then I had to have the intraoperative radiation. Then I started chemo again, and now I'm going back in for more radiation. Oh, my gosh. In the same spot. And they said... 
we know it's high risk, but that's what we need to do. And I'm like, okay, so I do it, you know, and it, and I got a new radiation doctor and he's amazing. And I didn't burn like I did the first time. And, um, I mean, it, it still burned and it was still horrible, but it wasn't like it was the first time. Yeah. A better experience. It was much better. Okay. I get past all of that. I'm trying to like just live normal as much as I can. Whatever that looks like. Whatever right? that is. I don't even know at this point. I'm just kind of like being dragged through the mud. And what is this? Let's I just to get an idea of the time frame. Is this going on over a year at this point? Probably. Yeah. Yep. This is going on like two years at this point. Two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you're 42-ish. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 42-ish. And I'm like all about the pink stuff, right? Yeah, I'm like pink, pink, pink. Everyone's <laughs> giving me pink. I don't even like pink, by the way. It's not my favorite color. Red's my favorite color. Pink is not. I've never <laughs> liked pink, but I'm like, go pink, everything pink. I'm supporting everything that has to do with breast cancer at this point because I'm like living it. Yeah. And it really is the universal sign. Mm-hmm. It is. Of support. Yeah. Breast cancer. Yeah. Pink ribbon. Yeah. Pink ribbon. And everybody's bringing me pink ribbon stuff. And I'm like, you know, the cards and the ribbons and the like shirts and the fight like a girl, which I don't like that saying, by the way, fight like a girl is the dumbest saying to me because like, what do you mean fight like a girl? Girls fight like sissies. Like I'm not fighting like a girl. I like I'm trying to kick this thing's ass. Like you're hanging out with the wrong girlfriends (laughs) like fight like a girl is just stupid to me no listen us girls can take some men down yeah i think that you're just looking at it from the wrong brain side i mean (laughs) fight like a girl fight like a girl we can kick some ass yeah there's some boys that are pretty scared of us believe me (laughs) hands down (laughs) hands down they're running in the other direction (laughs) this scrappy little fucker over here would definitely put some damage on somebody absolutely okay i think you need to rethink your fight like no i don't like the fight like a girl (laughs) i'm still going with it so i can't convince you no no i don't like it i don't like i don't like the word like hope i don't like any of that stuff well there's obviously for you specifically it's your journey you're going through so many i can't even imagine mentally what's happening to you so i'm thinking like with the word hope like i hope i get to have like a good chicken sandwich for dinner i don't hope that i make it so i like i don't like that word so like i was i started telling everybody around me don't say i'm fighting like a girl and don't tell me you hope anything because this is how it's gonna be and unless i hope that you bring me some french fries later (laughs) don't say that word so my family is like Okay, walking on eggshells, I think, a little bit. (laughs) A little bit (laughs) at that point. (laughs) So I go back home from Stanford. And at this point, I was probably going like every other week down to Stanford. And it was pretty expensive for me. And And what's that like? So your drive time, you're driving when you say you go down there. So yeah, so I like drive forward out, well, minimum four hours, depending on the traffic. And then I have to go into Palo Alto. And it's ridiculous getting over the Bay Bridge. Coming home would take me sometimes seven or eight hours. Right, because you're in Reno, Nevada. So the the travel time is, this isn't like just going across. I mean, you're like, yeah, I have to gear up for it. And so my husband, he's staying home with the kids because we have young kids. I don't, you know, we like, what do you do? So my best friend's taking me down. Uh, we have to stay the night because it's a rigorous day of meds. And sometimes I would do chemo down there and I would do scans and PET scans and all these scans and blood tests. And it just is exhausting. So yeah, I would go and it would cost like $500 each time I would just go down there just overnight. Right. It still is like that. But I mean, at that point, I'm like overwhelmed. So $500 a night. Yeah, basically. And the hotels are really hard to find because they're like a thousand dollars a night down there and I just need it for literally like through 
what, six hours to sleep so I can come back home because it's, you know, I feel sick after I'm there. Yeah. So I feel sick after I'm there and I am not on chemo. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like it's a long drive <laughs> exactly. and it takes exactly. it. Yeah, just in general. So I can yeah. imagine being in such like intensive treatment and then say, oh, let's get back on the road. And this yeah, might take seven hours hard. to get home in the car. And sometimes I'm like, you know, sometimes I'm really sick coming home and I get car sick pretty easy. And then I've had surgery and I have to drive home. Um, there is this amazing, amazing group of people that it's called Angel Flight. Mm -hmm. And it's people who are pilots that have their own airline or um, I'm sorry, air, air plane plane. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm distracted. <laughs> <laughs> and they donate their time and they fly people that are sick, not just cancer, but any kind of whatever, if they've had surgery and they fly them. So I did. Um, take advantage of that one of the times and it was pretty cool awesome yeah to fly home it was it was really cool and i was like i want to be a pilot <laughs> <laughs> i would like this i want my own plane yeah can we just trade the reasons can we just be beyonce and jay-z yes. instead of cancer patients that would yes. be awesome oh my gosh anyway so i come home you know all the time and i'm like phasing out of my treatment and trying to be healthy and just trying to live and uh, it's 4th of July. I wake up. I have this like weird lump on my ribs. And I'm like, it's a little squishy. It moves around. Not super worried about it. Anybody, not my doctors up here. They're like, well, you can move it and it's squishy. So it's, you know, it's probably not a big deal. And I'm like, okay. 4th of July rolls around and I wake up and I have like this weird feeling in my armpit. And I'm like, what is happening in my armpit? feels like I have like wadded up tissue paper in my armpit. And so... I say to my husband, I think something's wrong in my armpit. And so he feels it and he's like, oh my God. So my armpit feels like there's a golf ball in there, basically overnight. And so back down to Stanford, I go triple negative. <gasps> Had now went to my ribs and my lymph nodes. And uh. that's when I was bumped to a stage four. Oh boy. So I'm laying on the table. My best friend's with me and they're talking they're doing their biopsy of the one on my rib, which turned out to be triple negative also. Um, it was actually triple negative with a little tiny bit of some other type of breast cancer, but I don't I don't know what it was. And, <laughs> and it was not significant enough for them to even worry about it. It just was creating a different breast cancer inside there. So, oh my gosh, Jen. So I'm like laying on the table like, oh my God, I'm, I'm gonna fucking die. I'm literally dying. Now I'm dying. I like, I'm getting tired. I'm like, huh. So I'm just laying there and, and I don't hear what they're saying like at all. It's literally like the Snoopy when the teacher's talking, the wah, 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 wah. So I look over at my best friend and she's just like wide eyed looking at the doctors, you know, and she's like, can't believe it either. Like, I mean, this is my th third time, like. Well, really fourth time. But yeah, I'm like, I think that's four now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, there's so many reoccurrences, but like, they're kind of lumped in because I'd go at the same time, like, I have this over here and I have this over here and what's this over here? So I've had like 10 billion tumors. Did you realize you said they were lumped in? Yeah. Oh, nice pun. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't hear anything and I'm in shock and I'm just like crying the whole way home mm. from there. Like, I can't even pull together. I don't want to, I don't want to come home and tell anybody that I have cancer again. Like, I, don't, I just don't want to even talk about it. So I come home and I have to deal with it. And I have to tell my kids, okay, here we go. I have to do treatment again. So they put me back on chemo again. And this time they, it was really, really very strong. And you get um, this side effect that's like a hand foot kind of side effect. 
I wasn't really sick with it, but I mean, the steroids were crazy. And this is when I gained all of my weight. Like, I mean, I just blew up like a balloon and my skin on my hands and my feet started peeling off in sheets and it was disgusting. And I had to wear gloves and socks and shoes at all times. And I would make a joke because it would peel off so thick and disgusting that I would like try to make a joke of it. Like I could make a lampshade with the feet, feet skin. <laughs> You're disgusting. <laughs> it was so gross. But it was like around Halloween time. So I'm like, I could totally make a lampshade <laughs> with my skin. My family is like, oh my God, horrified, right? The but, new Birkin bag. It's not snake skin. It's gen skin. It's totally gross and thick. And it would just, I would just peel it off. Like it literally would just peel off. Oh my gosh. But it was painful because it, it would peel off, but I would have like raw skin underneath there. Brand new skin. Mm-hmm. And that's like, mm-hmm. so I, so while this was going, it's like, you know, still warm outside and I'm walking around with gloves and stuff on. So I'd cut the fingers out, but then my, the tips of my fingers would get raw and bloody and it, it, it was just a train wreck. And my doctor said, do not walk around without any shoes on. And I go, okay. So I go to my best friend's house in Oregon we're at the beach and I'm like, I just want to take my shoes off for a minute and walk in the sand. Like I'm trying to just be one with the sand for a minute. And I hit my rock on, or I hit my toe on a rock and blew my big toe open. And I was all, okay, so now I need to bandage up my toe because I didn't listen to the doctor. And it was just a whole nightmare. And that went on for months and months and months. And at the end of that, I had to do radiation again. So it was my third time. Oh my radiation. And they're like, we know you're not supposed to have it one time. We, we know you're not supposed to do it again. We know you had it during surgery, but you're going to get it again. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I felt like I was radioactive at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so I have I, I go through that all again. And by this time, I'm a pro, right? I've had it for this is my fourth time. Yeah. I do that and I, I get over that. And I still had, you know, some residuals. Like things are bothering me now at this point. Like I can't walk very good my joints are hurting my bones are hurting I'm heavy I can't sleep which is a normal thing for me but like now I really can't sleep I'm just like worthless like I I don't want to work out I don't want to see people I don't want to do anything I don't want to I don't want to do anything I was laying on the couch one day and my daughter would watch movies with me and we'd eat like my friends would make me the best food I had the best friends making me noodles and things that I could eat and I was like, well, if I'm going to be fat, I'm at least going to eat fettuccine like and bread. <laughs> so I, we would just lay in my bed and watch TV and eat bread. Yeah. So um, I think I'm going to do that tonight. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do. But now I do it by myself. No one wants to watch it with me. But so I had this realization that I wanted to like all of a sudden I was laying there and I was like, I want to get rid of everything pink in my house. I'm, I just I'm done with the pink. This is like three and a half years of hell. And I don't want to look at anything that has to do with pink ribbons or anything. I'm over it. And I made the whole house clean up everything. I left, I kept my cards and stuff and I put them away. But I felt like that maybe I was bringing it in. I was thinking about it and I was engrossed in it. And I was just all about it for so long that maybe I needed to take it away and just not think about it anymore. So we cleaned, I mean, like I threw everything away. I was like, people don't give me any shirts. Don't give me bracelets. Don't give me anything pink. And I did that. And I was like, okay, I'm done with this. I went back and I had some scans that still had things lighting up when I would go in there. But that was my last treatment. I never really had cancer again after that. I just like had a different mindset. I don't know. I just, I knew I, I thought for a minute when they diagnosed me with stage four, I was like, well, here I go. This is it. I'm going to die from cancer. Like, this is it. 
my kids are gonna not have their mom. And then I was like, wait a second, I can't leave my husband here to raise my kids by himself. He can't do what I do, right? Like he can't raise my kids by himself. <laughs> like those are my kids. <laughs> so uh, it's I don't not think the same. Dad. I don't think that's gonna work. But I had already had in place a friend of mine who was gonna take care of Alyssa for me, mm-hmm. like and take care of my kid, like you know, they needed a mom, like yeah, a mom figure. So sure. my had my neighbor like, don't you let him bring any weird girls over here. Like I had already had it in place. And then I just turned it around. Like, no, why are you thinking like that? I'm yeah. not going down that road. Like there, I'm not dying from cancer. Like this is stupid. I'm not dying from cancer. And yeah, I didn't die from cancer. I just had a like weird thought in my head and I went with it. And I didn't, every time I would think like, you're going to die. I would push it out and I'd be like, no, you're not. You're not dying. You're, And I kept saying to my doctor, if you can just get it out, I'll make it stay away. Mm. And he's like, well, we're chasing it. We're trying to keep it out. And I'm like, but if you just get it out, I'll never get it back. I just know I won't. And I never have. And you never have. Mm-mm. Now, when you're stage four mm-hmm. or when it's metastasized, mm-hmm. is that an automatic thought process that it's the end? That it's mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like uh, there was somebody else that experienced something like that and was went on yeah. a path of just like, hey, I have cancer. And then, I mean, she passed pretty quickly after that. Yeah. So we were... Uh, Same diagnosis? Yeah. Same diagnosis, same, I don't know if hers was the same cancer as mine, but we were on the same path. Mm -hmm. And yeah, even when it went into a certain spot, it was like the same as her spot. And so I was like, so weird. Oh, man. Well, when you get what I'm trying to figure out is like, okay, so I think it's the metastatic word that I'm hearing Mm -hmm. that people just make the assumption like, oh, she has metastatic cancer. She's going to die. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, is that is that correct? Yeah. Okay. because I'm trying to figure out again, you know, we have such high risk friend group. I have so many of you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, Fortunately. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Not unfortunately. (laughs) So fortunate that I have so many beautiful friends completely unfortunate that they have had to experience uh, breast cancer or any illness. Yeah. But with that, I think it was, you know, with being around the organization of Each One Tell One and being around the programs that they present and being around Heather, who's my best friend who had breast cancer as well. When you hear, you start hearing certain terms. And then I think you were sort of pegged one of those women in, in this group of women with breast cancer that she's she's got metastatic cancer yeah yeah everybody thought that i thought that everybody i was like stage four like i thought three was bad enough and now i'm a four and i'm and i'm metastatic yeah how can this possibly be like how can this be you know i i don't even have people that have this in my family like how am i how am i how am i how am i here yeah and so when you get that diagnosis easy enough to say, I'm going to die, just like you said. I mean, you mm-hmm. imme- immediately your mind went to that. Mm-hmm. And clearly, you're not interested in fighting like a girl because they're wimps. But <laughs> nope, <laughs> you want to fight like a big old boy, big bully. <laughs> I'm fighting like something, but it isn't like a girl. <laughs> like a fucking elephant coming in cool. at you. At that point, I was. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, how much weight did you gain? 80. 80, 80 pounds, pounds from yeah. your medicine. Yeah. So you're not just, I mean, this, and this is something, again, when you get into the realm of recovery, 
you're not just talking about being in a situation where there's a disease and you clearly, your life is now being completely taken over by cancer in every yeah. facet. Because yeah. you can't even just, like you said, try to have a drive with your daughter and your best friend and your freaking hair's yeah. falling out in clumps. Yeah. Lord knows, and we could probably get into this in a different episode, is the intimacy situation. Like, where does that even go, right? Yeah. Uh, with yourself. And then yeah. what, what is your husband's feelings? Because at the same time, you're married through this. And for a long time, you got how long have you guys been married? 22 years. 22 years. So that in itself has its own. Yeah. Um, triumphs and tr- and struggles probably, yeah. but to add something like this and children. So again, the recovery portion of this is what's so important is and what I'm hearing from you right now is what I love. In the end, you really got to a place where you recognize that you had to be positive, that you had yeah. to think positively because it's easy enough to fall into the opposite. Easy. So easy. I mean, everybody falls into that. You're like, well, this is it. And I see it all the time. Like I, I see it all the time where they're just like, well, what am I going to do? Like, that's how it is, you know? Um, and I just didn't, I just didn't feel in my heart that I was going to die. And I wasn't going to let that come in. Like, yeah. I just wasn't going to, I just couldn't do it. Well, I'm so glad that your mind went to the positive because yeah. I don't know how it did. I mean, I definitely had really dark moments and it's still a learning curve to try to like be positive all the time. I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, and that's why we just get to have girl gossip sesh so we <laughs> can just. True. <laughs> that's a whole, that's a whole nother podcast all by itself. No kidding. I mean, it's, a, oh my gosh. I love one of my friends, another Jen from She Recovers. She's a veteran and she always talks about her rucksack, like her recovery rucksack. So we talk about that as being like your toolbox or your rucksack. And I always, I'm thinking, you know what? A good gossip session just never hurts. Like, but also we don't have to take it too far. So Jen and I, this Jen here that I'm talking to, (laughs) Karski, we are, uh, we like to, we like to get down with the chit chat. Yeah, we do. It does definitely give us like, we like feed each other's fires. We really do. (laughs) Yeah. It's necessary sometimes, though, it to is, get though. it out, have somebody else that understands, realize it's completely ridiculous, the shit that we're scheming in our brains, and then it's probably unlikely anything's real, but we're just yeah. going to go with it anyway. And sometimes you bring me back to reality a little bit <laughs> and put me to. in my place. <laughs> <laughs> yes, girl. We all yeah. have our we all have our strengths. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank God for you. Oh. <laughs> well, gosh, thank God for you and being able to get through all that. So I want to circle back to sort of, I mean, just tie this in a pretty purple bow. Yeah. Because we don't do pink. No. Um, 40 years old. Yeah. This happened to you. No family history. No. Random. Very random. Potentially, in your mind, could have been caused by trauma to your yeah. boob. Yeah. Continuous ridiculousness that it keeps coming back, coming back, coming back. Mm-hmm metastatic which is the worst mm-hmm. case scenario yeah stage four yeah and here you are and here i am so that was how many years ago eight eight years ago yeah, eight years ago and you are still in not treatment uh i i'm not in active treatment okay but i do go get scans done every six months so i'll be going in december and i have my oncologist here that i see every other month so i still am very active as far as doctors and blood work and things like that go but um and this is what is the educational part that people that listen understand that you don't just get fixed right and that's with anything like if you're an addict and you used to shoot her hurricanes (laughs) well we used to do those too I did. There were a lot of hurricanes going on down down in Mexico this past week. I didn't have any, no. But, uh, you know, shooting heroin and 
or cocaine or pills or alcohol, whatever some people's vices is, and then food, that doesn't just stop. No. You don't just wake up and you're like, hey, I decided not to do these things and now no. I'm free and I can just move on. Recovery is a lifelong journey. Recovery, recovery. You have so much going on in that capacity. And I'm so glad that we were able to talk about that today. Wow. A lot. A lot. And yeah. you know, like, I feel like I walked away from that with PTSD pretty bad. And I didn't even know you could have PTSD for something like that. I, I thought it was more like the veterans and, the, <laughs> you know, I don't know, <laughs> shooting victims. Like, I don't know. But I was like, I, I, <laughs> I totally said that when I was in treatment after yeah. I went to treatment for 30 days. And the psychologist like within I think the first two days I was there and they were like diagnosed me with all these things. And I always say this. I laugh that they said workaholism. I'm like, I don't even have a fucking job, (laughs) but okay. And then um, PTSD. I'm like, I've never been in the army. Exactly. You don't know. But that's why we're here now. Mm -hmm. Bitches. We are educating. (laughs) Yeah. And it's and you can have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, a traumatic event, something traumatic happened and you are now dealing with it holy shit you i'm still back to the fact that you had a hole in your freaking you know and you're just walking around like oh i gotta stuff it i was and it was horrible i was like what do you mean i have to stuff this hole by myself like i can't do it girl that's ptsd enough already right there's so many things so so do you have so what do you do with that so you're experiencing some ptsd from all of this which yeah so i once i got past everything once I got past all the treatments and once I got past, you have like the first time I heard that you have a clear scan. Which and, was when? Uh, that was in the very end of 2015. So I think that was in, no, when was that? 2016 is when I got my first clear, clear So 2016 scan. was your first clear scan. Like nothing was lit up. It was just fully clear. And my doctor came in. I think it was the end of 2016. It, it literally is all kind of a blur to me now, and I have a hard of time course. keeping it straight. And it could have been 2017, but I think it was six, the end of 2016. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really fucking matter. True. The fact is, you <laughs> didn't light in. up. <laughs> I didn't light up. And they came in, and my doctor said to me, she like peeked in because I, I'll get, it's not like when you go here, like down at Stanford, I'll go get a scan and then I'll go to my doctor and I'll know what my results are immediately. So I, I know within hours here, you're waiting for like a week or two. If you're lucky, you, you'll get it in a week. So I don't have anything done here because I can't wait that long. No. I, I like need everything right now. Well, especially if you started getting treatment in that Mm -hmm. space, like if you're getting answers immediately and then you're like, oh, hey. Yeah, I like (laughs) and I'm like this person that has to have like everything right now. I can't wait for you to tell me in a week. I'm freaking out like I have anxiety. Don't make me freak out. So she comes in and she knows I'm freaking out all the time. And she goes, I just want to let you know there has been a miracle today and you don't have anything lighting up. And I just sat there. And I was like, what did you just say? And she goes, we've had, she came over, she put her hand on my shoulder and she goes, honey, you've had a miracle happen. There's nothing lighting up. There's no evidence of disease. And I was all, oh my God, I, th- I don't even remember what I did. Cause again, my best friend was sitting there with me. I don't remember what I did. It was just like, I couldn't really even understand what she was saying to me. I was like, oh my gosh, it's been like three and a half years of total living hell. And you're telling me now that all of a sudden this metastatic stage four person it has no evidence of disease and she goes yeah that's what I'm telling you and it's been that way ever since so I do have people arguing with me that are like you can't be metastatic stage four and not 
and not have any disease. And I'm like, okay. Okay, well, go talk to my doctor about that. I mean, I can show you my paperwork. (laughs) Right. And then you know what? At this point in time, whoever the fuck you are that is asking her and telling her she can't, like, screw you. I mean, people literally have argued with me over that. And I'm like, why does it even matter to you? Like, why are you arguing with me? Not only why are you arguing, but fuck you, douche. Mm -hmm. You don't have cancer. So who cares? Who cares? Move on about your business. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so mad all of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) Go with it. (laughs) I know. I'm going to fight like a girl. You're fighting like a girl. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's just it's it's, It's so true. It is like, how is that affecting this person's life? Why are they even why? What do they even care? And you know what? Like, how about I'm so sorry that you had to go through something like that. I'm I can't believe what a miracle that really was. I mean, there are miracles out there. I lost quite a few friends. I don't know if they think that they're going to catch the cancer. <laughs> I don't know if they can't deal with. Um, Bitch, I'd be dead by now if that was the case. <laughs> For real. <laughs> you would have went down years ago. I would have. <laughs> years ago. Uh, yeah. I mean, like my 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 one brother, um, when he found out I was sick, we were having a conversation a few years ago. And basically he told me he couldn't deal with losing another sibling because we had already lost our our one brother. And I was like, well, what makes you think that you're going to lose me because of cancer? But it's just how, you know, he, and I don't really talk to him very much. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause he, he just can't deal with it. So it's, it's, it's a little bit lonely when you're in that space because you're like, wait a second, these are my friends and my family and they don't want to even talk to me or be around me or do anything. Or they're all in your face and supportive when you're like really at the worst. And then they just all kind of disappear. And it's like, Okay. Well, here I still am. Yes. Trying to live. Again, back to recovery. Yeah. Being in that space. And Mm -hmm. I was totally the person you're talking about right now with Heather. And I was in my addiction as well. So I was very much coping as a friend that had a friend that had cancer, right? So to me, my best friend, in my mind, my best friend was dying. Yeah. Like immediately, hey, Lori, um, you know, we got some things. I got some news. Yeah. I have cancer. Oh my God, my best friend's going to die. And then I just went and drank a whole bunch of whatever yeah. I could find. And, you know, at that point, I had lost several people in my life. So I was like, fuck that. I'm not even like, what? I'm not participating. Like, bye. Yeah. I mean, I could, as far as I could run. But also, like you said, in the beginning of it, you want to be a part of it and you want to be there and you want to show your support. And the best way to do that is to be visible, right? So I would go to the hospital. I would be there when dad was there or when her husband was there or, you know, um, with the girls and whatever I could do. And there was a period where it was like, oh, okay. You know, she's good now. She's not in the hospital. Yeah. You know, she's, somebody's taking her to chemo and we all go on with our lives. And I totally did that. Totally did that. And I think, going through that process is you have to sometimes learn it yourself through whatever that is, whether it's cancer, illness, different type of life events, and realize sometimes it's the quiet ones. That's Mm -hmm. really where, you know, they need healing and help. Yeah. Yeah. And that was obviously the case. And we figured that out by just having conversation. Yeah. And you and I go through that now as well, just Mm -hmm. even as adult women outside of any diseases experiencing with that with children yeah. getting older and yes <laughs> all kinds of things <laughs> I can think of several things <laughs> all kinds of things absolutely and yeah. just experiencing new ways of living and mm-hmm. being able to identify people that understand that is a gift and I just I love that we're able to just sit and chat oh, yeah me too chat because I know sometimes I dump it on you <laughs> 
Girl, between you and I my need sister. You. <laughs> True. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. And I've um, I've weeded out some other people in my life relationship wise in order to make space for that. So I have yeah. plenty of space over here for you. <laughs> well, that's good because I have a lot. Of- <laughs> you have a lot of shit. I have. Yeah, it's not just cancer. <laughs> I got all kinds of things. <laughs> exactly. One of the things Jen and I talk about a lot. Oh, my God. I love this. Like, I can't. This is just what you have to have this person in your life where you could text randomly at any time. <laughs> I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> I already know. You could text randomly at any time in the night, any time of the day, any time in the morning, or any meal time. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, girl, what is it called? Misophonia. 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 Yeah. Somebody look it up. Google that. WebMD. It. It's horrible. Whatever it is, Jen and I both have it, and separately we were experiencing this and thinking that we were crazy, mm. and our families thought we were nuts. And it's really not true. We're not. We just have no, another. It's, yeah. It's a sensory thing. <laughs> we have sensory issues. Ew, oh, so bad. <laughs> did you did you notice that that started happening after all of your treatments or? Uh, no. That no. started when I was like, I want to say 12. My brother would start eating his taco. This is when it, I can remember the specific time it happened. Well, let's talk about what, let's, let's tell the listeners what this freaking stupid okay thing so a lot of people think they have it <laughs> i i'm sure a lot of people will be like oh yeah i have that but it's like when you are like um you know you can't take someone chewing or slapping or smacking or slurping or like a, a solid tapping noise sensory sensitivity yeah so it could be like jen just went <laughs> great now i'm gonna be totally like yeah, and somebody <laughs> on the other end of this is listening right now, and they're Hearing like, "Why it. does she keep doing?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. So, yeah, what's no. funny? I don't even know if it's funny. It's actually really painful because yeah, it's it, hard. It is mm-hmm. mentally. You are in a place where you're hearing things other people aren't, yeah. and they're not focused on. It's it's, it's like ultra focused. Yes. For us. And I have to tell you, while I have experienced that in my past, I 100% have heightened sensitivity and senses since I stopped drinking. Since I have stopped drinking, I smell more. I hear the smell. It's you crazy. know, and it's actually not just a hearing thing. It is all different. It, you can have a touch. Uh, like Alyssa kind of has like a touch thing. She can't wear certain fabrics and yes. it her crazy all day. Uh, I ha- It's like, so there's like an auditory there's a smell like whatever the senses are but i have like four out of the five of yeah. them because i have the smell thing too yeah. like it was heightened after i was pregnant though mm. and then i'm like Ooh. yeah Ooh. <laughs> it's like i could smell that mm. oh i can hear people and when we go to mexican restaurants and people are starting off with their chips, chips. And dips i want it i know i just text jen i'm like you die. don't even know what's happening right now there's I die people across from me there's people <laughs> at my table my son doesn't even know i'm like and i have oh, taught him so bad so many times your- you don't have to put the whole you're like a monster going in with your chip what's happening can you just not oh my god like break it in half you can just break that in half over the bowl so you don't get crumbs on the table and then you dip and then you don't even have to worry about double dipping because you're just literally dipping the one half of the chip I that gets equal distribution sometimes i can't even handle the breaking of the chip though like- oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it's so bad with me i can't even handle hearing myself psycho yeah i'll be like how do you get away from yourself chewing these really crunchy chips or nuts or like and i like crunchy stuff but then some days i'm like am i bothering you guys because i'm bothering me and they're like we don't even notice and i'm like i'm gonna go in the other room so i'll like eat 
in the other room. A lot of times I'll eat on my bed because I'm bothering myself so bad. I feel like everyone else is being bothered, but nobody really gives a shit in my house. They're like, I mean, Aiden, he'll, he'll, Aiden will sometimes, sometimes he's a little bit like that too, but I'm like way overboard. I'm overboard. Hmm. I can't even drink. Like (laughs) I have like this little concoction I drink at nighttime and last night Aiden's in the kitchen with me I'm like it's too quiet and I have to call my drink of water he's like oh okay so he goes out you know he'll go out of the room because I can't handle it like and then I'm so like hypersensitive over listening to myself gulping and he's sitting there gulping listening to me gulp I like I'm like what's happening <laughs> it's not just cancer <laughs> oh god we need another podcast <laughs> It just is way deep. (laughs) It goes deep. One of the things that I appreciate about you is how much time you actually give back as well. So I love, I love to say this, make your mess your message. Yeah. Yeah. I do do that. You do. We're still a little little messy, but (laughs) I can't do it as well. Like this is better for me today. I sometimes have a hard time telling my story as you well know. Yeah. Um, I can't just get up in front of 20 people and even tell my story without crying, which is stupid because I'm just, it's like, I don't even know why I get like, I, I think I get more nervous because people are staring at me. Um, but I do like to tell my story because I do like people to know that, yeah, you can be a f- stage four metastatic person who's living just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it doesn't mean it's a death sentence at all. Yeah. And, and knowing that you're positive thought process as much as you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all get caught into those dark days, like you said, and some of us have the choice to get out of that. Others don't. But if you do have the ability to do that, it's best to just think positively. Yeah. You just got to shove it down. Shove it down. Da- don't shove it down. We're not shoving it down, Jen. <laughs> shove it away. We're letting What's it. the right out? word? <laughs> no, we're doing none of those things. We're letting it out. I don't let we're it releasing. out. We're releasing. That's when I'm texting you. <laughs> What does this mean? Does this mean this? You're like, no, you're fine. No, you're fine. Stop overthinking. Everything. If I was in high school and I was doing this, you're like, no, that's not what that means. <laughs> Random text. Random texts are the best texts. Uh, and then also, I mean, you just do, you give back to the community so much with your involvement with Breast Cancer to Bikini, which is an awesome program mm-hmm. ran through the nonprofit organization of Each One Tell One, which we are going to have the founder, Heather Reimer, my Biff, BFF. She's going to be on the next episode of the Recovery Hour talking about her organization and her story as well. If you have a lump or a bump or a weird looking hot spot, itchy spot, orange peel spot, red spot, uh, something just doesn't look right, you know, boob trauma, you have have, have some boob trauma, like whatever you have. Yeah. Keep on top of that. You are your best advocate. So if you feel like something's funky, then do something about it. Talk Mm -hmm. to your doctors. Yeah. Breast cancer 101. Yeah. That's where it starts. I feel like we have so much more to talk about because we, we um, totally do. we've talked about we've talked for almost two hours. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I really still want to talk about because the other. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. You talked about your brother earlier as well. So you yeah. have and you know, like, how old were you when that happened? Um, OK, so when I was 16, he tried to commit suicide. And how old was he? So you were a 16 year old. So he was um, six years older than me. OK, so, so you're a 16 year old. Yeah. Your older brother. Yeah. Tries to commit suicide. Yeah. He's the oldest. I'm the youngest out of four. He's the oldest. Okay. Yeah. I get a call. I'm working 
and I get a call that he um, had tried to commit suicide, but it wasn't successful. And so I'm horrified, of course, but then I'm relieved also that he's still alive. And uh, I don't, I, I don't feel like my, we have different moms, but we have the same dad. I don't feel like my parents necessarily handled that the way they should have, you know, I think everybody just kind of brushed it under the carpet, like, mm. oh, well, you know, whatever. And so, um, you know, we had a, we had definitely a challenging upbringing with my, my dad was an alcoholic and, it, and in the Hells Angels and we just had a crazy upbringing. And so, uh, when I was 19, he was drinking that day and got in a fight with his girlfriend and shot himself in the face. And he always had told me he wouldn't live to be older than 25. And what I don't know, like, you know, what are you talking about? Like, whatever. But he actually was 25 when he died. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So he's probably, you know, like, he probably was planning that out for a really long time. I mean, he told me that when, when I was little and I just, I'm like, what does that even mean? Like he, we're, we're just living like yeah. my brother, like shut up and, and okay. <laughs> try and play hopscotch here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he did. And it just kind of tore our family apart. Like it really did. Um, things haven't been the same ever since then. Yeah. Which has now been 28 years. Oh my gosh. Has it been that long? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 28 years. Yeah. And he's still coming. <laughs> And he's still messing with me. <laughs> well, hopefully Jake and my brother Paul have met. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I just said that Jake Paul, there's a Paul, Jake Paul, isn't there a Jake Paul that's like a YouTuber and he got in trouble for being in like a suicidal place. And oh, I don't know. Is there? <laughs> oh my God, I'm so, well, you'll have to let me know. Listen, I'm going off on a tangent that's unnecessary, <laughs> but there was this kid that was like, he filmed himself in, there's a place in Japan or something, and now I'm probably getting the country wrong, where it's like a a forest where they hang themselves like it's a known Ew. thing oh my what? god i know i fucking can't even i have to figure out what this uh, is yeah i gotta know now that would be weird and his name's jake paul or paul jake uh-huh or ryan paul ryan i don't know it was a thing a few yeah. years ago and because my kid is now 14 mm -hmm. he was probably like fucking nine and doing the youtube shit and i'm trying yeah. to monitor what's going on and they're all worried that these monsters are coming in on youtube kids and i'm mm -hmm. like oh by the way there's this guy that my kid's buying clothes from yeah. like they have like a clothing line weird and, and then there's this he's in hot water for some freaking my son will probably know about that. Can we just call Aiden? I mean, like seriously, we're just, I'm like trying to figure this out. Our hey. kids are a little bit parallel too, by the way. <laughs> Only mine's just a tiny bit older. Oh my gosh. They're exactly the same people. They really are. It's yeah. insane. It, so they probably both know. They do. We'll, yeah. we'll call them when we're done here and then I'll just, <laughs> yeah. I'll throw it in the show notes um, and you can see what I'm talking about because there's a thing. There okay. really is a thing here. Yeah. I want to know. Okay, so Jen, oh my yeah. gosh, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was easy, right? That was. I was a little nervous, but not bad. It wasn't yeah. bad at all. I was like, oh my gosh, what are you going to say to me? <laughs> <laughs> You're still waiting. You're like, wait like, a minute. Wait, is the other shoe dropping? <laughs> like, where are those questions? This is the miracle. I did think, I did think you were going to ask me questions, though. This is the miracle of the recovery hour. I, um, you know, I really just love jiving with peeps and finding out what their story is and, and just having natural conversation. It seems yeah. to be well received. So we're going to continue that. on that format. I love it. Like when I feel like when I first met you and you were telling your story that one night when we were at that restaurant in San Francisco, I was like, oh, yeah, she's my peep. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, we're so parallel. And I've never <laughs> talked about it with anybody before. So it was really actually 
uh, a really great moment for myself. Oh, I'm so glad. Too. Yeah, connection's amazing. It's so mm-hmm. cool when you actually find that. And I think, again, having this platform and being able to tell other people, everyone's stories, whoever wants to get on and chit chat about it, someone out there is experiencing crazily is experiencing the same fucking thing. It's insane. Yeah, I love it. I yes. love, I love podcasts. Podcasts. Okay, <laughs> we're done. Thank you. Okay. Love your face. Okay, love you. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, not really goodbye. Do you think we'd end that quickly? <laughs> Forgot to ask Jen if you were able to have anyone at your home for a dinner party, living or not, who would it be and why? So if I could pick anybody, dead or alive, to have dinner with, I would choose my grandma because I have so much to talk to her about and I really just um, miss her and yeah, I would be my grandma. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Hour podcast. Successful podcasts equal subscribers and good ratings. Please take a few minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. To learn more about me, your host, Lori Windfeld, jump on over to therecoveryhour.com. Here you'll find information on my coaching and speaking practices, as well as information on guests of the show. If you're still listening to this and you haven't subscribed to my mom yet, what are you doing? You're lame. So go do it right now. All right, all right, calm down. Sorry about that. He's just really excited for this to be successful since I've been spending all of my free time on this project and not with him. While you aren't lame, as my son suggests, I would really appreciate a few minutes of your time to subscribe. While it doesn't seem like much, it really does help my goal in spreading the word of recovery. Until next time, let's continue to inspire, live, and give.